0: Hey, this is Todd Agnew, and you are on Faith Edge with my friend, Joe Taylor. If you want to live differently, you got to think differently, and it's about coming into alignment with what God says about you, and that's a process.
1: Thank you, my friend, Todd Agnew, for the introduction. Todd joined us back on episode 87, where we talked about his newest project, From Grace to Glory. I'm a big fan of Todd Agnew's music. His song, Grace Like Rain, caught me at a very significant time in my life, and throughout my life, it's been a very significant song. You can hear that conversation at onfaithedgecom 87. That's onfaithedgecom 87. This is the 119th episode of On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations about God and living a life of faith in Jesus Christ. I am so excited to bring two very special guests with us today. A musician and friend of the show, Gene Watson, comes in. Gene is releasing a new project of beautiful hymns. Gene's Celtic music is absolutely inspiring, and I cannot wait for you to hear her version of Holy, Holy, Holy. Then after my conversation with Gene, author and artist Matt Tomey joins us to talk about his new book, created to thrive where he shows us how to start living life from a new blueprint based on God's word and his divine design for our life. I'm a really big fan of Gene Watson's music. It doesn't hurt that she once called home my hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. She's a fantastic singer songwriter and she doesn't disappoint in her new inspiring Celtic album called Sacred. Jean, I cannot tell you how much I love this new project sacred,
2: oh, I'm glad you do. I love it too. I'm so excited and i I just want everybody to hear it. yeah, I'm very, very thrilled about it.
1: you've got a thing for Ireland uh we we realize that, but this one is deep, Celtic. I mean, you just feel like you're there.
2: I know I know. I just went all out and I told producer Billy Smiley I didn't want any a, a traditional band per se. I didn't want a regular drum kit and the kind of things that that you would think of if you're making contemporary Christian music. I really wanted to be outside that box. I really didn't care who was listening or would it be played on the radio or would it be on the charts none of those things crossed my mind. It's like if I could make any kind of music in the world, what would I want it to sound like? And that's what sacred is.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful project. I, I have to ask you though, what is it with you in Ireland?
2: Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I don't have, I have a little bit of Irish blood, but very little. I'm mostly German, blooded, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And when I was a little girl, I just had this strange fascination with Ireland and Celtic things. And, and I wrote about Ireland. And when I was in ninth grade, I did a report in a social studies class about it. And, and I still have the cover to that report. I, I saved it. And it's just green construction paper with pictures of Ireland that I cut out of my dad's National Geographic magazine. And, and just there was something about that picture that was representative of a dream that was in my heart, even at that age. So I just kept it with me as I grew up, went to music school, got married, had kids and all the things that I went through in life. And then when the Lord started opening up ministry to me much later in life and music recording and all the things that I do now. I remembered the dream about Ireland and I thought, oh, wow, that is really where I want to go. And I prayed and God opened the door to Ireland. And about nine years ago, I had an opportunity to, to fly into Ireland for the first time, carrying my green construction paper from ninth grade. And and I, it was so emotional, Joe, because I knew I was just flying right into a dream that God had placed on my heart decades ago. It was very, very powerful, that moment. and so since then I, I go back and forth to Ireland all the time. I have a radio show on United Christian Broadcasting, Radio Ireland. I just feel a real strong connection with the people. And and it's and my ministry just seems to work there really well. And my music is something that they can understand and connect with. So that's why when you hear my music, you will, you know, usually hear a little bit of a Celtic Irish flair to it.
1: You were built for Celtic music uh, and more than an Irish flair. You were built for this gene. It's so natural and so beautiful coming from you. Uh, really, r- really well done. You, you mentioned before that Billy Smiley produced this. Phil Kage was on this project. Matthew Ward was on this project. Why is it important for you to work with these guys?
2: Billy is great in that he, you know, he's a rocker from his white heart days, mm-hmm back in the eighties and nineties and, and so on. And so that's his background, but, but Billy's a great facilitator. He knows everybody and he has this amazing gift of being able to see gifts inside of other people and draw them out. And so that's what he did in me. You know, he saw the way I was singing when I first came to Billy. I think I was trying to sound like Sandy Patty or I don't know somebody. And Sandy's wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but she's not me. And, you know, Billy said, you know, stop trying to sound like every other Christian artist and what does Gene really do best? And, you know, we did several projects together and it was really in this one that we both realized this is it. You know, this is what I'm born to do and let's run with it. Billy, as I mentioned earlier, knows everyone and has an amazing way with people so he can call people. He knows Phil Cakey very well. Of course, I've worked with Phil before now and and we're friends and he thought Matthew Ward's voice would be great on joyful joyful we adore thee and and he knew Matthew quite well and called him and and there we go we we sang a duet and so those kind of things wouldn't happen without Billy and it's not that i have to have famous people on my album but i really do strive to find people that are passionate about passionate about what they do and are excellent at what they do and then include those folks and let their gifts shine as well as my own. And, and then we've got something that's truly a work of art.
1: All of these songs, except for one, uh, predate the 20th century. Is that right?
2: Well, really two songs are our 20th century. I think Ubi Karitas and gather us in the opening track, which, which is two songs that flow into each other. Both of them are 20th century arrangements or, or compositions gather us in was written in the 1980s i believe and ubicaritas is inspired by gregorian chant but it's also a 20th century arrangement
1: well and then you also have hallelujah by leonard cohen
2: and then hallelujah by leonard cohen yes right right. yes just 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 to shake things up a bit what a
1: neat (laughs) arrangement that is you start off with plucking i guess Yeah, is that right? And it 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 really adds to the the whimsical flavor of of the song, and it's completely instrumental, and it's just a neat, neat version of Hallelujah.
2: Well, thank you. I came up with that up here in Michigan, just playing around with a violin, and the violin is plugged into what's called a loop station, so I can just record the parts over and over and create those layers, and I do different things with the violin. I pluck it. I actually hit the violin make percussive sounds and I strum it like a guitar and do kinds of crazy wild things with it. And it it is a lot of fun, but it's also a powerful song for me to perform. Um, I do it a lot in prisons, homeless shelters, and um, it just, the word hallelujah resonates in people's hearts. And I think it causes people to, um, to just pause for a moment and reflect and wonder, is there really a God that's thinking about me right now and that loves me? Could there be the possibility of a hallelujah moment in my life? And so it just opens the door of hope, even though I know it was not written as a religious song.
1: It's not written as a religious song, obviously. I mean, there's some pretty racy themes in the song itself. Yeah. Uh, But wow, it just proves that God can carry his message through any
2: means through anything that's right and poor leonard it really had no idea i'm sure that the word hallelujah was such a powerful powerful word in the bible yep um you know just used really um to defeat the enemy in the old testament and so so that's the way i use it i don't i don't obviously sing his words um i'm really just letting the melody carry that hallelujah and the possibility of hope
1: i want to talk about a couple songs on this project First, Holy, 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 which, by the way, Gene is one of my favorite hymns. Is maybe my favorite hymn of all time. Oh
2: yeah, it's just
1: beautiful. And with the drum arrangement in this song, it sounds like a war march. I know. It is fantastic. Holy, Holy, Holy is, is, is you don't think of it as a war march, but man, I was inspired to take up swords listening to this song.
2: I know. I know. It's so powerful and. This is how we created that because I have a very delicate, Enya-ish, Celtic-style voice, and so that can be a challenge when you're trying to create a big, powerful arrangement. My voice tends to get buried and drowned, and um, so I was trying to think how can we create how can we create the type of power that we need to carry that song, which to me is the most powerful hymn of praise in our hymnal, um, how can we replicate that power without volume that's going to compete with my voice? And so I thought about the drums because the drums have a register that's that's really super low. My voice is super high. So I thought both of us can shine and we won't get in each other's space. And so I, I shared that idea with with Billy and with the programmer, Jonathan Crone, Ken Lewis on percussion. And I just let them have at it and let loose with the drums, and and it doesn't compete with my voice. We have this tremendous power in these thundering drums, but my voice still can um, soar on top of it. So I think it worked out really well.
1: It sure did. It's a great song, really well done. Really Thank well you. done, Jean. Let, in Thank fact, you. if you don't mind, let's take a let's take a minute and just listen to a pop, a portion of Holy, Holy, Holy. Mm. So you have a video from this from this project sacred. Saint Patrick's Breastplate. The song is excellent. Excellent song. But the video is amazing. The, <laughs> you have the sword fight with this little boy in the middle. It's just visually powerful.
2: St. Patrick's Breastplate is a very interesting song in itself. Of course, I just took a portion of the original words of St. Patrick, words that were attributed to St. Patrick in the the fifth century. So they're really ancient. So the song was crafted from St. Patrick's original words. And I sent the finished arrangement to a videographer in Northern Ireland. And I said, you know, what do you see? I, I told you before that I, I really love to hire people that are good at what they do and just let them shine. So I didn't tell him what to do. I said, what do you see? So he listened to the song and he said, "This is what I see." He said, "I see a sword fight. I see it a medieval sword fight with a small child in the middle, that's unaware of what's happening. One of the fighters is the child's guardian, his savior, and he defeats the other one, saves the boy, and and there's a story, a narrative that proceeds from that. So I thought, well, that's that could be really wonderful. It could be terrible if it's not well done. But this man, his his work was outstanding, and I thought, why not give it a shot if he's Passionate about it, and so, so I said, go for it. And um, we hired some medieval swordsmen that are part of the cast of the television show The Game of Thrones, which I have never seen, but I've heard, you know, a lot of people like it. And uh, and we filmed it in six different locations in Northern Ireland with a with a little boy, and we had some crew members from the Game of Thrones. We had some just outstanding artistic people lending their aid to this. And the finished product is, is is off the charts. I just, you know, until you see it, it's hard to describe, but it gives you this visual picture really of this the battle that's going on in the spiritual realm uh, around us every day that we're completely unaware of, or many of us are. And, and, we, and the little child really just represents you and me.
1: It's so powerful. And it's rare to watch a music video that captures the essence of a song so powerfully as this one does, and tells tells a story throughout the whole video. I mean, it just really is well done. It's one of the better videos I've seen. It's just fantastic, Gene. Well done.
2: Well, thank you. We had a, a lot of fun making it. It was quite an adventure, believe me.
1: <laughs> we are fans of Gene Watson here at On Faith's Edge, and we love your music, so we have to ask, what's coming up?
2: What's coming up? Oh my goodness. Well, Right now, there's just not enough time for me to do all the things that I want to do. I've been very, very busy doing concerts and conferences. I'm doing a lot of speaking right now. I continue to write. i I published I had my first book published this past year as well. So I felt like I gave birth to two babies, musical and a, in literary. I'm speaking. I'm performing and praying about what the next recording will be. But it's just a very, seems like a real fruitful time in my life i tell my friends i'm, I'm in a, a a two boat season like when, when peter was out on the water and jesus told them to go out and they dropped their nets and they brought in so many fish that they had to bring in another boat to bring in all the fish and so that's where i am i've got like nets full of fish and i just can't quite bring them all in
1: well you're an amazing artist and we're glad god is you're letting god work through you gene thanks for hanging out with us today
2: oh it's my pleasure joe thank you
1: god bless you Jean's website is Jeanwatson.com, and sacred can be found on amazon.com. These links are in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com slash 119. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 119. If you want to hear more of Jean's story where she talks about her faith, how she came to God, how she got into music, she has a really interesting story. Go to onfaithsedge.com slash 50. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 50 and hear Gene Watson's whole story. In Created to Thrive, Matt Tomey teaches how creatives can start living life from a new blueprint based on God's word and his divine design for your life as an artist and his kingdom. You'll begin to see your life without limits as you learn to align with him and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to create new living patterns. In my conversation with Matt, you'll hear his journey from starving artist to world-famous thriving artist, inspirational speaker and consultant. We ask how does a creative Christian move their mindset from one of desperation to thriving abundantly in their art? We ask why these principles apply to all endeavors, callings, and life paths, not just artists in the traditional sense. And then Matt transparently talks about the tragic events in his early life that led him to develop a shame mindset and how he was able to let go. The term starving artist is almost a badge of honor. (laughs) <laughs> and when you couple that with a starving Christian artist, my gosh, you're you're in line for sainthood.
0: <laughs> Some would say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> why did you need to write Create It to Thrive?
0: Well, that was my story. Um, a really, you know, not always financially, but really being you know starved spiritually, starved creatively, and I couldn't figure out in my own life why God would give me a creative gift. Um, you know, I've always believed in this divine investment that we get as creatives. And I could never figure out why he would do that. And yet set me up for failure at the same point, to not be able to support my family, not be able to do the thing that I love, have to go work a, a dead end job and things like that, that I hated just to, to try to make a living. And so he was really out of my own journey. This is the fourth book that I've written for artists. The first one was Unlocking the Heart of the Artist. And it really went through a lot of the the spiritual struggle that I had coming out of that starving artist mentality, and created to thrive is really all about the path that I've been walking really since 2009 of stepping into I believe the fullness of what God designed for us as creatives, which is to to flourish spiritually, creatively, and uh, if we choose, in our business uh, in the marketplace.
1: How did you go from setting up shop in a on on the corner, and this is just all made up. <laughs> but uh, just so you know, Matt, I don't know if Matt set up shop on the corner, he may have, but uh, uh
0: it sounds really great. Though. Setting up <laughs> shop on the
1: corner and with a with your with your pan in front of you, painting pictures or making whatever you make, and and uh, hoping people throw a few bucks your way.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I actually started, I'm a basket maker. And before you start laughing, yes, I'm serious because I, I actually started making baskets out of natural materials back in college at the university of Georgia when I was 19 years old. Down if you across, were
1: an underwater basket weaver,
0: then you'd be I, impressed. I
1: would right? be impressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, the, see, the whole thing was, I loved being in the woods. I grew up in the, you know, as the boy Scouts grew up in rural Georgia. So I loved being in the woods and Basket making kind of made sense to me that I could go in the woods and harvest all this cool stuff and make something. And so, you know, I always say some people go fishing, some people play golf. I made baskets and I was a a worship leader in church. I was in ministry. Um, After I got out of that, I was um, on a marketing agency in Atlanta for a number of years. So I was really trying to find myself, I think, and find really the real me. And I had a real kind of come to Jesus moment during. 2008 2009 when I was really asking the Lord what was next in my life, you know about to turn 40 You know, what is this what is life all about? And and what did you design me for? And I really it was in that process that the Lord started showing me that he wanted to do something with my baskets and so that was the last thing on my mind, honestly, but fast forward uh, moving to Asheville in uh, 2009 from Atlanta after being there 13 years Within two years of being in Asheville, all of a sudden I went from selling twenty-five dollar baskets at street fairs to selling baskets that were thousands of dollars, being recognized by the Smithsonian, uh, winning an award in Europe, you know, being in a really established, uh, prestigious art guild, and having my work starting to be collected. And it was like, God, what are you doing? And so, it was really this incredibly supernatural tidal wave. I. I really feels like that, that I was just a part of, that I didn't create it, but I I did my best to cooperate with it. And I think for anybody that is wanting to thrive in their divine design, whether they be an artist or in business or whatever it is, our job is not to create the wave. Our job is to ride the wave. And that's really at the heart of Created to Thrive is learning how to align with what God says about us, how he's made us, and, and to lean into that. In your life. So
1: do you remember that moment where you, you said, or you realized, wow, this is going to work.
0: You know, it started, I remember even before we moved to Asheville in 2008, I was speaking at this uh, youth camp and I was telling this lady about, you know, kind of, oh, I'll do music and I do these baskets and I do this and that. And she looked at me and she said, well, you're just quite the artist, aren't you? And I was like, well, you know, everything in me was saying no, but at the same time." there was this huge yes inside of me and i think we all have opportunity to have those times inside of us and it's not like everything just changed overnight but there was something inside of me that fundamentally shifted into believing yes god has created me to be an artist and what does that look like and then after we moved to asheville and and things started i called it double doors of favor i mean it's like everything i would ask the lord for one and he'd give me two i'd ask for an opportunity and and it'd be more than I could ask or imagine. It was, it just started overwhelming me. And, and really to the point, I almost got embarrassed about telling people because, you know, you see friends struggling and you see people, you know, this whole model of, you know, kind of begging God through prayer. Oh God, please do this. Or please that, And I was having the exact opposite interaction with the Lord. And so it kind of got embarrassing a little bit. I didn't, I didn't want to share, you know, the good things that were going on. But later on, I began to realize that the thing that the Lord has done and continues to do in my life is really just to exemplify and demonstrate what he wants to do in the lives of every artist all over the world.
1: Why are we like that, Matt? <laughs> why are we so hesitant? I understand the whole idea of, not, of being humble and humility, and, right, and, uh, but why are we hesitant to take these gifts that God has has given us and show the world how we're using them to thrive in our own lives. And we just want to hide behind this, quite frankly, false humility or this embarrassment. Why do we do that to their, to ourselves? And, and more importantly, why do we do that to other people who need to see that we can thrive with the gifts God gave us?
0: Well, you know, most Christians, um, and I say this because I was the same way. Most Christians have a ton of baggage, uh, emotional, spiritual mindset baggage around thriving financially. You know, we've been taught that it's greedy. We've been taught that it's self-promotion, all this sort of thing. And really, you know, I believe the definition of humility is is agreeing with who God says you are mm. and, and aligning with that, not trying to go off and, like you said, do some sort of false humility thing just to prove it to everybody that I'm humble. For me, I think the the major work that I do with artists, not only through my books, but you know, through my mentoring program and all of the things that I do is really helping artists fundamentally shift from the lies that they've believed that come out of their own woundedness and trauma, things people have told them, just wrong stuff that they believe because of life experience or whatever, and and fundamentally shift that to what God says about them, what God's vision is for their life, what God has said in his word about what's possible in their life. And not only did that shift in my life, but I've had the great honor now of, in my mentoring program and books and all that. I'm getting to see this happen in the lives of thousands of artists. And I just tell them all the time, and I believe this, is this is just the kingdom working normally. It's not some special secret sauce or, or whatever that <laughs> only a few people get. This is the kingdom working normally. It'll work for everybody. It's just a matter of plugging in. To the system that god has uh, has designed
1: we really need to pick up the book created to thrive to grasp the full breadth of your method sure but how does a christian creative move their mindset from one of desperation for their art uh to thriving abundantly in their art
0: first of all realizing that art is not the end-all be-all and it doesn't define who you are you know for for most creatives you know, we've been taught that if we feel it, we should do it, <laughs> that that what we do is who we are. And no matter what you do, that is a, a recipe for failure. It's God's word that defines who we are. It's his vision for our life that defines, you know, our worth and and what our life is to be and our experience and all that. So the big thing for me is helping artists to to shift. And you know, God's given a plan for that. You know, in Romans it talks about don't conform to the pattern of this world, that is, you know, don't do life like everybody else is doing it, but be transformed, that is, be fundamentally changed by the renewing of your mind. So if you want to live differently, you got to think differently. And it's about coming into alignment with what God says about you. And that's a process. It's not something that just happens overnight, but when artists and anybody really can, can learn to do that and learn to to begin to lean into that process, your brain chemistry, your brain makeup, your life, your emotions, the, the, thing, the life that you're experiencing, all of that will begin to shift into alignment with who God says you are and, and the kingdom flowing out of you.
1: I'm so glad you brought up mindset. I am, I am particularly fond of chapter four, as a man thinks. In fact, I'm going to yeah. read from page 63. There's only one question that remains at this point. Will you continue to believe the lies of the enemy based on your past experiences, or will you begin to align with God's truth? It's a simple question, but unless you're willing to move out of agreement with the past and into agreement with God's truth, there's really no need to keep reading. That's a solid statement there. Otherwise, if you don't learn to master your mind, you'll remain captured in a roller coaster of emotions, living a life you are never designed to live
0: yeah that's huge i mean i think you know most people uh forget artists for a second <laughs> most people that come to know jesus um come to know him under the understanding that i need to get saved because i don't want to go to hell it's like some you know fire insurance sort of thing and when you begin to understand that the whole reason jesus came was to restore us to relationship with the father and to restore us to the kingdom You know, and that when you look back in Genesis, you know, the desire of God was not to give us a bunch of rules to follow, but was to walk with us in the cool of the day and invite us into the creative process that he started. And so when you begin to look at the whole biblical narrative and the whole nature of God as an artist creating art with his own creation (laughs) and our opportunity to, to lean into that. Through a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit living inside us, everything changes. And if if you don't do that, you know, if you just kind of try to, to white knuckle yourself through Christianity, it's going to be a really crappy life because you're going to be filled with lots of religious baggage, lots of rules and to do lists to follow and that sort of thing and never enter into what Jesus called the abundant life.
1: You know it's interesting somebody will look at this book Matt and say well I'm not a you know I'm not an artist I'm not a basket maker I'm not a I'm not a painter I'm not a singer I'm not a songwriter Right, I'm not a writer. They'd be making a huge mistake if they pigeonhole this message into those particular those particular parts of creativity. If you're a salesperson, if you're a manager, if you are a cab driver, whatever your whatever your art, whatever your art is, whatever you've been called to do, this message is significant.
0: Absolutely, and I think you know when you understand that the creativity is not just ancillary to how God works, but it is how God works, that that our role as people in the kingdom is to see and agree with what God is saying and wanting to do in the earth and agree with the parts of what he is saying in our life to release that in our circle of influence. So for me, that looks like being an artist and a speaker and a writer. You know, for you, it looks like doing a podcast. For a mom, it may look like, you know, loving her kids. For a businessman, it may be starting a new business, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the, the way that the kingdom of God and the way that the, the divine solutions get into the earth is through sons and daughters, through us. And so that is the creative process, and it's foundational for every Christian who wants to walk in the fullness of what God's designed him for.
1: It is through sons and daughters. It is through each other that we, that we get this message. Creatives yeah. can tend to... Be loners uh, mm-hmm. at times uh, yeah in, in kind of in their art, how important is it for creatives to be part of an engaging supporting community?
0: Well, I mean, it's just foundational and uh, and again, I think you know creatives because we're wired sometimes differently, a little more intuitive, a little more feeling sensing oriented um there can be sensitivities there, there can be immaturity there that's not been dealt with, and so it's a real easy excuse to kind of be alone and sort of take the introvert excuse as opposed to engaging in life giving community. You know, the Bible talks about we're all the body of Christ. Each of us a different part, each each joint supplies. And so the best thing artists can do is give themselves in trusting the Lord to be a part of a loving community. And that's the the coolest thing. I mean, just yesterday, one of the Facebook groups that I have for artists uh, just went over 5,000 members and um, we're adding about 100 people a day, and it's, like, contagious, but when artists, you know, and people that have not shared their lives <laughs> begin to find out that there's a safe place out there for, for them to connect with other creatives, share their journey, share their hopes and fears and struggles, and share their artwork and all of that, man, life completely changes, and it's never easy. I mean, you know, I always hated that verse in James that said, you know, confess your sins to one another and you'll be, you'll be healed. You know, but cuz I just wanted to kind of deal with things myself, but mm-hmm. I think it's it's a fundamental truth of the kingdom that there's only a certain or you know, certain distance that you're going to be able to go in your life and in your relationship with the Lord if you choose to do it by yourself. If you want the fullness, if you want to grow in maturity, you're going to have to go with others.
1: How do you hope readers are changed by Created to Thrive?
0: You know, I hope when people pick up Created to Thrive, they really feel like they've entered into my story. I, I love when people say that, "Man, every time I read one of your books, I hear you speaking." You know, they can they hear the authenticity in it, and I I want them to know this is not just a, a book that I just came up with and wrote a book. This is my story, and it's the story of thousands of artists that i've worked with and it's the kingdom and i I hope that they begin to realize that the frustrated um struggling life that they thought was some sort of spiritual uh you know focus that they're supposed to have in their life that was some sort of badge of honor like we said at the beginning is not how god designed life that he's designed us to walk in his abundance to fulfill his desire for our life and as we do that All the finances and resources and relationships and opportunities that we need, no matter where we are in culture, are going to be there. And I just, I love, 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 as much as I love making art, I love to see people wake up to the truth of how God has made them. That's, that's really my hope with the book is that that just goes viral um, for millions of people.
1: The book is called Created to Thrive, an Artist's Guide to Living in divine abundance and this is a good book matt 188 pages you can sit down and on a saturday afternoon and really really set your life your mindset your your way of thinking about your art and creativity on a whole new path well done brother thank you thank you (laughs) matt how did you come to believe in jesus christ
0: I grew up under a Steinway piano. My mom was a choir director for a hundred (laughs) years, it seemed like. And so I was at the church, uh, you know, just all the time and really can't remember a time when I didn't really know who Jesus was and, and love him. But for me, that change really happened when I was a teenager and really began to understand that, you know, I needed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And those teenage years for me really was a huge shift. And even in those years, I began to understand a call to ministry as well. At the same time, and there was just this real sense that that not only did God love me, but that He had His hand on me and wanted to do something incredible in my life. And like everybody, I strayed. I went off here and there. I had my own baggage. You know, some, they say you know some people have issues, and some people have lifetime subscriptions. And <laughs> I think I had the <laughs> lifetime subscriptions part. <laughs> I knew that there was a, there was a incredible investment that God had put in my life. That's just, it's been a part of my journey from the very beginning.
1: So although you grew up in a Christian home, you kind of planted your flag as a teenager, right?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Did you ever have a time as a young adult or even, even recently where you questioned your faith or even the existence of God?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I always tell people as I'm sharing my story, you know, just like God has a plan for your life. So does the enemy, (laughs) you know? And, um, when I was about 11, 12 years old, I experienced what I've come to call the perfect storm. There was lots going on in our family at that time. Um, my mom and dad were having issues. My relationship with my dad was not great at all. Really combative at that point. Thank God it's been restored as an adult and that sort of thing. But as a teenager, it was very, very difficult. And, and then, Within about a two year period, my granddad died who was a major influence in my life and also my piano teacher who I'd been taken from since I was five years old the The weekend that my that my um granddad died uh, began a really serious uh issue in my life of uh sexual abuse by a family member uh that was really went on for years and years and years and really put me into a swirl and a turn of, of not knowing who I was internally, not knowing where God fit into that. And so I've sometimes called it tap dancing for Jesus. I just tried to keep a good face. Mm. You know, I didn't tell anybody what was going on. I knew God loved me, but I just had a lot of woundedness and that really scarred my life and marked my life and my journey for many, many years, uh, even in through college and, into my married life where I really struggled with those issues of identity and then addictive behaviors and negative coping mechanisms that that I developed in order just to numb the pain because I didn't have any context for, you know, I would say, you know, why would God let that happen to me? Or, you know, why did I have to go through this? Or why didn't somebody protect me from this? And then I sure didn't have anybody at this point, this is mid 80s, early 90s, you know, I didn't have anybody to tell That this was going on. And so it just became this whole idea of of kind of hiding and stuffing. And for me, it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I really began to have safe, what I call safe people in my life who not only love the Lord, but love me enough to walk me through a season of healing so that I could get free of so much of that baggage uh, that had defined me for so long.
1: What did you have to let go of? in this process to move forward.
0: You know, one of the things I think that was was huge for me is that I never really learned how to feel. I just would stuff everything. So whether it was good or bad, whether I was celebrating or mourning or you know, whether I felt manipulated or frustrated, you know, it was always um the same thing, just stuff stuff stuff, um numb numb numb, you know, all the feelings. And so I can remember one of the first things is as I began to walk into a season of healing. The Lord began to show me how to have real emotions again, how to be angry and not sin, you know, Mm. how to be frustrated and explain that to somebody in a way that's healthy. Um, How to have a difficult conversation with a coworker or my wife or somebody I was working with that I needed to express feelings about. That's just something that I never learned. That was really, really huge. And I think that also, just kind of shaking off that whole perfectionism thing because that's really addiction for so many people uh, starts as a way to control the situation because of the shame uh, that they're feeling and the fear that surrounds that. Once I could begin to dismantle with the leadership of the Holy Spirit and, and incredible people in my life, this shame, fear, and control thing, all of a sudden perfectionism started to fall away in my life, performance, and I could really be in freedom, you know, who God called me to be rather than trying to keep up, you know, all of this sort of perfect image all the time.
1: When you found that you let go of perfectionism, did you find that your, your art got better? Your work got better? Your, your creativity thrived?
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a, a real pivotal time for me too in in worship. I was leading worship at the time when all this kind of started for me. I was really shifting from a real traditional church that had always sung songs about God into a movement of of worship that was really learning about intimacy in worship and learning singing songs to God and and singing with Him and and really making worship an experience rather than an event. And that was so fundamental for me. And so uh, songwriting at that point and leading worship and being able to engage with the Lord in that creative place for me was really, really huge. And it's funny, you know, my baskets that I do now, that was just a fun thing that I did. But as I look back on it retrospectively, it was really those times that I would go in the woods and just kind of be out hiking or be alone, harvesting materials or that sort of thing. I think really that I would feel the most at peace and the most me. And as the Lord began to heal my heart and bring me into the next season, it was that that he went back to and said, I want to bring you into who I really created you to be. Not this person that's trying to perform and, and make everything, you know, a controlled um, performance all the time, but really somebody that can live out of authenticity. And that's, you know, it's it's a journey, right? I mean, nobody goes through this and like, I, it was two weeks and I got fixed and praise God it's over. I mean, no, this has been (laughs) 15 years of plus of my life, you know, but it's, it's the journey. And I think that's the, that's the huge thing. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for your, yes, he's looking for your willingness to say yes to the process and walk with him through the hard stuff.
1: Finally, as we wrap up, Matt, what would you say to that person that is maybe in a similar position, uh, to you. They're struggling with a life issue. They're struggling with their art. They're struggling with their creativity. They're not a believer, but they're looking at God. They're looking for God. They're looking for faith. They're right on faith's edge. What would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge, making that choice to believe or not to believe in God?
0: I think about that song that I just sang at church the other day and it, you know, called Good, Good Father. And it says, you know, I've heard a thousand stories uh, of what they they think you're like. And, I, you know, there are so many misnomers and misunderstandings about the nature of God. And we as Christians have done many times such a horrible job in in representing the true nature of God. But he's a good father. And whatever that that metaphor of father looks like to you, that name of father for me, it did not hold um, a good image. But the father is one who's designed you with purpose. He's designed you. He's designed you to give you the kingdom to release all his fullness in and through your life. And it didn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, uh, but it means that you're not walking alone, that you can fulfill the destiny that's on your life. And for me, everything changed when I realized that I didn't have to do this alone, that, that there was a design that I could fulfill in my life. And there was a community of people that loved me, even in spite of my stuff, (laughs) even in spite of, of not being the perfect looking church kid or whatever, you know, church guy or, you know, guys, we have so much, oh my gosh, (laughs) men in general, we could do a whole podcast on men and just, (laughs) just our own baggage, you know, around that. But Mm -hmm. um, man, God is, I would just say, maybe, maybe ask your question is, is God really who I think he is, you know, and and maybe could there be a different version of God that I've never experienced before? And, and Jesus is that answer. And if you're, if you'll ask him, he wants to reveal himself to you through the Holy spirit. And, uh, just begin to to remold and shape your life into what it really was designed to be.
1: I don't think we can say anything more than that. The book is Created to Thrive, an Artist's Guide to Living in Divine Abundance by Matt Tomey. Matt, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight.
0: Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it.
1: God bless you, brother. Matt's website is com. That's M-A-T-T-T-O-M-M-E-Y.com. That's three T's in a row. dot ycom and create it to thrive is available on amazon.com. These links, as well as all the other links, can be found in today's show notes at onfaithsedge.com/slash 119. That's onfaithsedge.com/slash 119. I love bringing you engaging conversations about faith. If this show entertained you, if it encouraged you, informed you, or brought value to you in any way whatsoever, will you consider using any Amazon link on onfaithsedge.com? We'll get a modest commission from your purchase, but it won't cost you a penny more. And that'll wrap up today's show. Thank you so much to Gene Watson and Matt Tomey for joining us. And thank you for listening. You mean a lot to me and you really mean a lot to this show. Remember, God is real. He loves you. And so do I. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit OnFaithSedge.com. You're important to us and we would love to hear from you. Of all the of all the creative outlets, when when somebody says, how is, you know, when somebody hears about somebody a uh, uh, thriving in their art or thriving in their creativity. I got to be honest with you, brother making baskets may have been one of the the (laughs) furthest things on my list. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) How did this happen?
0: Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it was one of those things that when I, I really had this huge kind of transformation in 2009, I had a couple of dreams that the Lord showed me some things and um, but the Lord started showing me that he wanted to use my baskets in this next season. And I was like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm not even having a context for this. And it was really through, you know, through that, he told me, he said, I'm moving you to Asheville, which is, uh, which is a seat of influence in the arts community to put you in the seat of influence there. And, um, he really just, everything that I would do with my baskets, there was just huge favor on. And, um, the more I did it, you know, the more people would buy them and, then I started getting into more sculptural work, not functional. So if you, if you just look at matttommy.com, um, you can see all the work that I do. But most of it is now medium to large-scale sculpture for luxury mountain homes. And so I create things that look like nests and pods and branches and all of this with natural materials and clay and copper and um, all the stuff that I harvest out of the woods. So <laughs> it's wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah.
1: How cool. My yeah. wife loves Asheville, man. She's she's um. been trying to get me to go there for years.